0: Stuff in your head right
1: there. All, all right, welcome to the Project Iron Spirit podcast. It's uh, Tanner Owens here with my co-host Justin Andler. What's up, guys? Yeah, get it, get all in there. Couldn't hear you last week.
0: I was a little quiet last week. You not get that. Sound right like you were in me. the other room. Yeah.
1: All right, we're gonna storm through this because Justin's about to fall asleep on me over here um <clears throat> so last week uh we oh second wind <laughs> last week we talked about how Kimmy, um my wife deleted our podcast two weeks ago yeah so we're going to like I said we're gonna to try to rehash this out for you guys it should be pretty original
0: because I have absolutely no idea it's gonna be reset
1: yeah but as we get into it we're going to start trying to quote what we said at two weeks. It's, it's going to be a bad one.
0: Wow, way to go into it. No, the let's go into this with attitude.
1: a positive attitude, right?
0: Let's stay uh, positive. Because
1: as we start out here in this podcast, we learn that what we believe comes true eventually. Okay. Oh, I remember this podcast. You remember it. <laughs> All right, so. Um, yeah, because
0: little Trey, Trey Simone was here.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. We've got to apologize to Trevor. He was a guest on the last podcast. You're not going to miss much because he literally didn't say anything. But He said nothing. He did say happy Thanksgiving at the end. So, happy belated Thanksgiving from Trevor. <laughs> okay. All right, let's get into it. If anybody is uh, going to be following in the Bible, you're going to be in uh, Philippians chapter 4. And we're just going to do uh, verses 1 through 9. All right, so like we said, this is going to be more fitting, honestly, for this time of year. Um, <clears throat> holiday season, but really, you know, in three weeks, it's it's we're going to be at the end of this year. Yep. So as we come to the end of another year, we're going to find ourselves, you know, with problems, doubts, worries, fears, especially with this election that we just had. And, you know, there's going to be in this holiday season, there's a lot of false joy. Everybody's putting on the um, – Joy to the world, uh, everything's kosher kind of face, but when in reality there's you know there's a lot of stuff going on and there's too much unhappiness around, and you know at this time of year you're gonna be like, hey, what's going on with you, man? What's wrong? Well, if you if you can see that, and you get a lot of the all the bah humbug kind of stuff, um, but a lot of the things that you hear in people's lives, you know, a lot of people can relate to. There's going to be, you know, God seems far away or how can I be cheerful when my marriage is falling apart or, you know, I've got cancer. How can I rejoice? Financial issues, you know, all the above. There are a lot of of things, um, you know, that you hear. If I had more money, I'd be happy. And those answers can give us an insight, you know, what people are thinking and feeling. And that insight is going to be Like I said um, at the beginning of this, whatever we do is going to depend on what we believe. So, action is controlled by conviction.
0: I like that.
1: You like it? I like that. Quote it. Action is
0: controlled by conviction.
1: I'm tweeting it. So, whatever's on the inside, sooner or later, is going to show up on the outside. So, I apologize. I got negative at the beginning of the podcast. You did. All right. It It brought me down. I'm turning it around because my attitude is gonna is gonna help and action is controlled by conviction so I'm convicted alright so with that being said have you kind of noticed that people who are you know perpetually miserable generally they have made a series of choices that led them to be in that state or that sad condition (laughs) check twitter they're, they're four hours behind though. So, um, here's here's a quote. You gotta follow me here because there's commas. I gotta I gotta try to say this because it gets it gets a little crazy. You're not what you think you are, comma, but what you think, comma, you are. Yeah. So you got it. Yeah. A uh, lot a lot of U R S in there. Um. So in Proverbs twenty three verse seven it says, "As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so as I said before, we're going to be in um, Philippians chapter four verses one through nine. And in these nine verses, Paul kind of gives um, six like tips on on how to change your attitude, right and how to be more Christ-like and how Christians should mold their attitudes and, and how they should treat others and stuff. You know, so hopefully, as we strive towards the end of the of the year here in 2016, and we're going to hear this podcast, and we're going to make 2017 that much better. So here we go. Here we go. In verse one,
0: <clears throat> not sponsored by Bud Light.
1: He says, um, "Therefore, my brothers." You whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. And that's verse 1. So the first thing we say um, that we see here is stand firm. And this is kind of referring to the soldier that's standing at his post no matter what happens around him. You know, you're going to, those Roman guards, you're seeing all kinds of chaos, right? Imagine that, just all the stuff that's going on. And his, his orders are clear, stand firm. And Paul says this more than once in, in his writings. You know, you see it in First Corinthians, you see it in Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Colossians. He says, "Stand firm in all the will of God. Stand firm in one spirit. Um, take your stand against the devil's schemes." He says it a lot. Second uh, Thessalonians, he says, "Stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you." So, why do you think? There's such repeated emphasis on stand firm. You know, what's what's so important? What does it mean to you?
0: It means everything to me. Um, you know, we talk a lot because we spend so much time together, um, about 12 hours a day at this point. It's getting bad. But we we talk a lot, and, you know, one of the things that I have really had to do lately is this principle, exactly, that stand firm in what I believe in, who I, who I want to be, and what I want my future to look like. And all of those things in all of those things I have to practice this this exact principle um it's very easy uh for us to get sidetracked it's very easy for something or somebody to pull us off the beaten path that you know we have set our minds towards our hearts towards and the one thing that Paul says is stand firm in the Lord and I really think that there's there's an under, underlying principle there that's not basically said and it's this. If you are not firm in the Lord, you are firm in nothing. You know, I remember to, to this day, I'll never forget your, uh, your, <clears throat> your comment on relationships and how relationships built around Christ have a chance, while those that don't, it's a 50 50 shot. Right. And, you know, and that, there's truth to that in everything you do. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, put all your ways to the Lord and stand firm in what He would have you do in those, those situations, that to me, is going to be your guiding light. That's what's going to get you through. Because whether you like it or not, whether you're standing firm or not, you're going to get punched in the mouth along the way. And you're going to want to quit, and you're going to want to cry, and you're going to want somebody to make you feel better. And 99% of the time, there's not going to be anybody there to do that for you, except for the Lord. Mm -hmm. So this principle is very prevalent in my life right now. It's something that I definitely have to take to heart and focus on. Um, And like I said, the underlying truth that is, yeah, stand firm in what you believe in, but, you know, if that doesn't match up with with the Lord, it, I don't, I just, it's like a house built on a foundation of sand. It's going to wash away.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, you really hit the nail on the head there. I mean, I like what Justin said. If you're not standing firm in the Lord, then you, what you know, what are you standing for? Yeah. Um, And I think Paul really beats this drum here, and he... He says it, like I said, in so many of his writings. Um, and I think he just – I think Paul had a respect for what we talked about last week, which is he, the adversary is going to to oh, yeah. try and turn you from God. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And you're going to be tempted so many times. And I think that's what he's saying, stand firm.
0: Yeah, and I think Paul had a, a deep respect for uh, the power of the devil. And people will, will like, kind of grimace at that idea. But you got to understand, the devil is an outcast angel, mm-hmm. and his powers are beyond what ours are, and you better respect that. I'll never forget, I had a professor, uh, Dr. Kidwell. He was our psychology professor, and he, he went on this rant about this one day, which it didn't fit into the class, but it, it was so random, it kind of hit me funny. He's like, don't ever think that you can outsmart the devil, or you can outpower the devil or anything. He goes, if the devil wants you, you are his. And the only way to overcome that is by standing firm in the Lord. Right. Only Jesus Christ could outdo the devil; nobody else has been able to do it. So don't think that no matter what you've accomplished in this life, how BA you think you are, that you're ever going to be better than the devil. You're playing his game mm-hmm. when you do when you think like that. You know. So that word respect for that that higher power is is something that's so important. Like. Man, that, the way you said that, that Yeah, Paul had a deep respect for that And I think that's something we should all pay attention to in our own lives
1: Right And I think um, Do you remember the staying in the traces um, Yeah Story that we talked about yeah. when we did this so, so stay in the traces is a phrase That comes from um, Like colonial America it's, You know, when they're using horse-drawn carriages And they, you know obviously there wasn't really paved roads or anything like that so when you're driving a wagon you're told to stay in the traces and uh, down south there's a a parkway called the Natchez trace and uh, it's it starts in Nashville ends in uh, Natchez Mississippi it's on the banks of the Mississippi River well, you know, back during the colonial times, like we were saying, uh, anybody that wanted to go to Texas, they'd follow this trace from Nashville down down to Mississippi, and you know, supposedly to this day, uh, you know, hundreds of years later, you can still see um, some of the traces in the roads from where the wagons were. Now, um, and this is par- this is kind of a parable or a parallel in the spiritual life. And, you know, like we say, most days are are the same yeah. for us as far as routines go. Yeah. You know, we're going to get up at 5, we're going to go work out, then we're going to work, and then we're going to do what we do after that, whatever that may be. Go
0: back to work. <laughs> yeah,
1: either go back to work, go home, eat, do it all over again the next day. And, um, you know, day in and day out, that's life. But ultimately, you know that's the will of God for us. You know, if 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 that's what we have to do, then that's what we have to do. Um, if you if you don't feel like doing it, or if you don't have a good attitude about it, then like I said, action is controlled by conviction. But but nonetheless, you're gonna you're gonna have to do it. You know, doing God's will means staying in the traces of life, day in and day out. Um, yeah. if you like it, that's great. If you don't, like I said, we'll have, we have to do it anyway because it's God's will.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it goes back to the whole take up your cross daily thing, you know. And I've said this, and I preach it to the guys in our small group all the time. You know, for me personally, there's some days where I wake up and I gladly pick up that cross and I carry it, mm-hmm. and there's other days where I stare at it for hours and I think I don't want to pick it up; it's too heavy. I don't, I just, I don't want to be under that kind of, you know control i want to be a free spirit whatever is going through your mind at that time you know there's some days where you just you don't want to do it mm-hmm. you know you don't want to be a good christian you don't want to go to work you you don't want to you know take care of your kids you know, you just want to be left alone you know <clears throat> and you know i'm a big uh andy frisella fan mm-hmm. does the ms ceo project now, i won't tell you what that means but yeah you can look at that if you want and uh he, say, he calls these graveyard days. He goes, those days where you just, you know, you wake up and you know that if you were to die that day your tombstone would, would read. Here lies Justin Andler, who could have done all these things. Right. He goes, and those days where you don't feel like doing it, those are the days where you have to do it. And when you end up do doing it, you get way more excitement and encouragement from those days anyway. You know, so actually when you have those days where that cross looks really heavy, do everything in your power to pick it up because at the end of the day those are when the growth happens right. those days where it's easy there's no growth it just it is what it is but those days where it's a struggle when you're fighting for everything you're doing and it seems like everything's fighting back against you but you still make it to the end that's the days you get better and that's yeah. how you have to look at it and that's what I've started to do you know with our work and with our workouts and whatever it is is just kind of look at it and say you know, like we went to squat yesterday we were doing legs and my legs hurt from playing basketball monday night and i was like i don't want to i don't want to squat today. <laughs> but i went in and i did it anyway and i had my best day yet and that's where the growth happens and i just can't get that through people enough because there was a big mental change in my life and a spiritual change honestly i guess is the better way to put it right and taking that approach so
1: yeah and uh You know, what you're talking about, those graveyard days, and this, for this uh, analogy that we're using, staying in the traces, it was called jumping the traces. So it was, you know, on those days where you don't feel like taking up your cross or, you know, you're bored of your everyday routine and you think, you know what, the grass is greener on this side. You know, let's just think about it from the analogy of you're in your horse-drawn wagon, you see something through the woods and you say, hey, I think we should go that way. That looks like a better way. You know, just because something looks better to you, doesn't mean it is. And I think, you know, was, a lot of us are tempted to jump the traces, and we talked about this last week, all the temptations. Um, but I can tell you that those wagons don't do well if they're not in a trace. You're going to be in a rut eventually. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of just stay the course that God laid out for you. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on to the second and third verse in our reading here. And uh, Paul next deals with the... Uh, problem of settling differences and this one comes from the philippian church and there was two women who couldn't get along with each other one was named uh udea and the other was named this is a tough one for me a Syntyche, i guess I don't, I don't know close so we don't know much about these women um or really we don't even know the nature of the argument um, but they were you know well known leaders in the church, and they had a fallout um, oh this was this was great, right ready? So Eudea means sweet smell and Syntyche means friendly and for whatever reason, sweet smell and friendly <laughs> weren't very sweet or friendly to each other so I wonder you know how the two women were feeling you know two thousand years later they they stand for women who couldn't stand each other. Um, I think Paul doesn't give us many details on purpose because it's not about that. Mm-hmm. It's not about the argument. Um, you know, what we can tell from the words, we can't really tell the background of the problem, but he says, he, and he doesn't say who was right, who was wrong, who won the argument. You know, instead of taking sides, he just simply tells the, the two Christian women to settle their differences. And that's the second uh, tip. I guess we're using tips today. Is that what we're going to say? The second word of advice that Paul gives you is settle your differences. Um, You know, that's a useful principle to remember because in most disputes, it usually doesn't matter who started it because once this animosity builds up, we have so much pride and it doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. Yeah, It just keeps going. Yeah. when generally there's blame on both sides. Yeah. If if you're looking at it from a third party.
0: Yeah, when it comes to these things, you know, it's funny because we always hear the term time heals all. Well, actually, sometimes time just makes things uglier. You know, it allows open wounds to fester and to become infected. And <clears throat> the quicker you can resolve a problem, the better your life's going to be. You know, um, just based on the stress fact alone and for your own personal well-being, having that off your off your plate is, is, you know, the positive outcome of that is great for you personally. And then on a spiritual level, like, okay, so again, just talking about my life, you know, I had a falling out with my dad's uh, girlfriend the other day. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't talked for three days. Finally talked to her tonight. And, you know. All's fine. I mean, she's like, I love you. And, and I said, I love you too, you know, whatever. And, you know, but those three days where we were at odds, that was a really awkward household. You know, <laughs> nobody was talking to anybody. You know, it was just odd. But as soon as we made up, the whole energy in the house changed. Mm-hmm. And that just goes to show, like, how negative disputes can be, especially when you allow them to go past a certain point. Right. You know, the quicker you are to make amends, the less damage you're going to do. But the longer you put it off, I think the worse it ends up being. Mm-hmm. Time doesn't necessarily heal all things.
1: Right. You know, and I think when you, I mean, because you came to me right after that. You know, you came, you came here right after. And you kind of, it was fresh. But you weren't overly upset or anything like that. But, you know, I got your side of the story. So I'm not calling you a liar, but she has her side of the story.
0: Yeesh, yeah. yeah.
1: Right. So, and you know, the third party here would be your dad, <laughs> because he wasn't involved in it. Yeah. And I asked the first thing I asked Justin was, "Well, did you stick around?" Like, because I, you know, just just the nature of this, you know, she's going to tell her side to your to the to your dad, and you should tell your side, and let him decide. but no that's not what we see here right and and paul is not focusing on the causes and i think it's great that justin didn't have to stick around and tell his dad because that's him spiritually growing whether he knows it or not he he just it wasn't about that to him it was just hey remove myself from this we'll talk later let me cool down um to which I think that's 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 good because the old Justin might not have went that way. <laughs> um, so like I said, instead of focusing on Paul, on causes, Paul just tells these women to agree. And agree literally means come to one mind. And he's not saying that, you know, you know, you and you and um, Belinda don't need to see eye to eye on every single detail of anything, you know. Instead, Paul wants you Paul's indicating a personal choice, uh, to focus on things that unite you in Christ, which I don't know if Belinda's into that. But as far as these two of them, you know, for, um, prominent leaders in the church, he's telling them to focus on, you know, their relationships with Christ and what brings them together yeah. rather than this fallout that they had over yeah. something petty, I'm sure. yeah. Um, so, you know, this is a short section of Scripture, but there's six principles here for handling our problems. And we'll just go through them real quick. So, separate convictions from opinions. Be willing to ask for forgiveness. Look for opportunities to show kindness in small ways. Pray for success of the other person. Ask God to remove bitterness from your heart, and ask a friend to hold you accountable in this area. And I think the last two are huge. You you you've got to remove that bitterness from your heart. You oh. Know? And yeah. that took me a while to be honest with you. You know. Um, this is something that I think my dad still struggles with, and I think that's why I did it for so long, because, you know, my dad was wronged a lot throughout his life. You know, he didn't have it the way that I had it, or the way that you had it, you know. It was tough for him. But, you gotta let it go. You gotta let the bitterness go. Yeah. because um, it's just gonna eat at you. So, that's huge. Um, I think Justin's had his fair share of bitterness that he's kind of have to let go.
0: I, I mean, I still deal with it, you know. Yeah. I, anybody that knows me knows that I walk around with a ginormous chip on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. Like I have something to prove all the time. And to an extent, I think that's kind of what makes me, me. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's why I'm so driven and determined to be the absolute best at everything I do. But to an extent, and I was actually having this conversation with, uh, with my friend the other day, uh, you know, to an extent, there's some days where I have to tell myself to chill out. Right. You know, there are times where it, it serves me well. And there's other times where I know it's absolutely ruining relationships with with other people in my life you know because in my life I've been done wrong a lot and you know and a lot of that stuff is stuff that the other person doesn't know that I know about right. so it's it's an unspeakable bitterness you know and you know <clears throat> you're right I and mean, there's a lot of it you just kind of you have to understand that you're not going to be able to change what has happened mm-hmm. all you can change is how you move forward and you know that's something I've had to deal with and it's been the cause of a lot of pain and a lot of resentment in my life. But the better I've gotten at at focusing on what comes next rather than what has previously happened, the more enjoyable my life is on a daily basis. Um, The one thing people must understand is you have the ability to decide. And that's what, I mean, we get into this culture where we just think we should just be handed stuff. Everybody should just treat us right all the time. And it's just, it doesn't work like that. People make mistakes. People are going to screw up. But the beautiful thing about it is you always have the choice of how you want to control the next step. Right. Whether something bad happens to you or something great happens to you, how you react is very important. You know, when something great happens, are you going to be – is your ego going to inflate or are you going to show humility? When something bad happens, are you going to compound the issue or are you going to do the best thing that you can do to move forward? You know, and that's – that's I think that's just a sign of maturity mm. and I honestly it's kind of sad because I think the older I get the more I realize that not everybody bridges that gap yeah you know I know people that are you know you talked about your dad my dad's very much the same way rough upbringing not much parental guidance just really has worked his tail off his entire life to get where he's gotten he's turned out to be a fairly successful entrepreneur and nobody ever handed him nothing I right. mean he did it all on his own you know and I think he holds a lot of bitterness for that and other things that have happened in his life. And there's a big part of me that wishes he would just let it go. But, you know, yeah, I guess I've never had to walk that path either. So
1: Right. So that kind of brings us to a good point to where you were saying how, how do you react to things, whether good or bad. Um, that's a good segue here. So Paul's third uh, word of advice for us is going to be found in verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So notice that, you know, this is obviously a short thing, but he says rejoice in the Lord always. And then he repeats it. So this is the only one of the six uh, tidbits that we're giving you here that he actually repeats. He repeats, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. That's that's in one verse. Why does he repeat this? I think it's because it's important. Um and I think it's because it sounds like this might be the easiest one out of them, but I think it's the hardest. <laughs> because the first thing that we as Christians tend to do when something goes wrong is say, why God? Or we, or we shun God or we get mad. Yeah. Um, and then when something goes right, right away, it, then we rejoice. But then I don't even think that we forget about it. You know, we talked about this a couple times in podcasts where things are going so well, you're just like, I'm the man, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And you kind of forget about the need for God because, you know, we're leaning on him in the tough times. Um, you know, the best testament to this point here of rejoicing the Lord always is to look at the context of, of this verse and where Paul was when he wrote this. He was in a Roman prison, chained and being watched by these guards 24 hours a day. And he was on trial for his life, you know. He had no no hope. Like he thought he was going to die. Just as the other, you know, the other apostles did. And I I just think that's amazing. I mean, think of that think of that context there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't because I've never been in that situation. And you know, I think it's... I like what you said about Christians and how our first inclination is always to question God. Why Why would you let this happen? Why is this happening to me? What did I do? How can I bargain with you? And on and on and on. And I'm here to tell you, and I was thinking about this This actually today while we were working, because that's what I do. I, I think about stuff when it work. And I was thinking about this today, and... Uh, You know, I've never had this problem with the whole questioning God thing. Mm -hmm. Like, when stuff goes wrong in my life, I don't ever look up and say, why me, God, or anything like that. And I think my biggest reason for that is because I wasn't a Christian my entire life. So I went through 19 years of my life without knowing Christ, without, you know, knowing God or anything like that. And I went through a lot of struggles and a lot of pain during those 19 years. And the one thing I learned from my situation was that every single problem I had ever encountered, the only common denominator in every single one was me. And what that told me was, is when things go wrong, don't look up or look next to you. Look in a mirror. Right. Because, And that's true for everybody. I don't care who you are, who's listening to this, you, me. My mom, who's listening to this right now, every problem you ever had in your life, you were the only person that was present for every single one of them. So you can blame God, you can blame other people, but you're the only one that's always there. So stop looking up and stop looking around and and look in the mirror. That's my first thing. And Secondly, we come to this point of rejoicing in the Lord. And I think it goes back to this, this whole idea that God doesn't allow God doesn't make bad things. Everything that is good, that is right, that is just, that is fair is from God. Mm-hmm. Those bad things and everything else—they're the act of the devil. Or they're act of human hand. It's, you know. Rejoice because the God is good, all the time. <laughs> I know that's funny now because of Kevin Hart, but. There's seriously there's there's something to that Um, And the other reason to rejoice in the Lord is because like Paul's saying here when he's sitting in prison He is you know Paul's thought process is let them take my body they can never take my spirit My spirit belongs to God and Mm -hmm. for that I'll always rejoice And that's how you have to look at the situations in your problems Or or the, the situations that are problems in your life is What is it? What's the problem? what the problem is so your your girlfriend broke up with you you can't make your car payment you are sick you are a million of the other things we said at the beginning of this podcast how many of those are ruining your spirit Mm -hmm. nothing you know my dad's favorite thing to say to me he said it to me a million times the last five years is they can't eat you and his, his thought process behind that was, you know, no matter how bad things look and what's going on in your life, people can't eat you. And translating that into what we're talking about here, no matter how bad the situation is in your life, they can't take your spirit. Mm-hmm. They can take everything. But guess what? You weren't going to leave with that anyway. So think about it that way next time you feel like you're having a problem.
1: Right.
0: We're told by Christ... Your marriages aren't going to be, you're not going to be married in heaven. You're not going to be sick in heaven. You're not going to have to worry about money in heaven. The streets will be paid with gold. All those worries and and troubles and thoughts that we have here don't even matter in eternity. So, why let them affect your eternity when you're here?
1: Right. So, we are going on to verse 5 here. Alright, it says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Um, so, gentleness, there's a bunch of translations. But we're going to uh, use this one. Inner calmness. Because I think we need to ask God for a gentle spirit. And that gentle spirit, I think the biggest aspect of that would be uh, inner calmness. And I think, you know, I don't want to like toot my own horn here, but I think I'm I. That's one thing I'm good at. If it's any of these things, I I can I exhibit that because, you know, Justin, there's you know, there's been plenty of times where I'm just like steaming on the inside, and I'm I never really let that. Show, you know what I mean, yeah. and I always feel guilty because you know, like we've talked about so many times in the Bible, when you have the angry thought or anything, you know, then it's still the sin. But yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want to compound it by blowing up on somebody, lashing out, right? Uh, so I think the inner calmness is really big in like a situation when somebody's driving you nuts, or when you just feel. Like you're about to blow up, which those are often the same situation you know if <laughs> one goes along with the other but um I think your inner calmness though like I was telling like hopefully if I think i if I think I have that, then Justin should know because I think inner calmness should be seen by anybody that knows us absolutely um, and I think that's something that if you asked me three or four years ago, is Justin a calm guy is he a gentle spirit? No. <laughs> But he's gotten that. You know, you've developed it. I don't think, like, you know. Because trust me, I've I've seen you fuming on the inside a few times. Yeah. Um. But that kind of goes back to the whole have somebody to hold you accountable thing. Yeah. And I think that we do a good job of that with each other. So yeah. you guys should just find somebody, okay? <laughs> no, I, I
0: can. I, I can, you know, I can validate everything you just said about yourself. I mean, I. That's one of the reasons I've always liked you as a person, is because you were always everything that I wasn't. You know, because I was—I've always been pretty self-aware, mm-hmm. and I know who I am and how I am, and I—and I see myself. I mean, I—I'm not one of those people that's blind to my faults and everything else. And that's one of the things always kind of brought me towards you, is because like you know, this, he's a good dude. He's really calm, you know, and you just kind of offset me for a while, and now you know I'm better at that now as I've you know grown in my, my faith and everything at this whole inner calmness thing. And if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and take my chance to go on my peace spiel here. Okay. I know I did this on the last one because this is one of the things that is very close to my heart um, because I think it's the original thought I had. I like it. I'm, gonna, I'm always going to preach it. Okay. Um, but it goes back to this idea of inner calmness and peace versus emotion. And let's, let's let's be honest, the two to have nothing to do with each other. Mm-hmm. When you're emotional, you're not at peace. You don't have that inner calm, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing our society likes to tell us is you got to be happy, do what makes you happy. Does it make you happy? Do they make you happy? Is this making you happy? Happy, 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 happy. And I'm here to tell you right now, happiness is an emotional response to something or someone. And here's the thing about our society is we misuse language a lot. The English language is very complex, one of the most complex in the world, and we misuse it all the time. How many times a day do you say, oh, that was great, or that was fantastic, or something? And it was something like, I caught the green light. You know what I mean? It's not really great or fantastic, but we right. use, we don't use the right kinds of words. And I think what we call happiness, 99% of the time, is just contentment. I was content with how my day went. And that's okay. People will tell you, oh, you can't just be content, you got to be happy. It's No. Happiness is an emotion, just like sadness, anger, uh, and all those other ones. It comes and goes. It's Mm -hmm. fleeting. And I'll say it a million, I'll say I've said this a million times. You in your life will probably enjoy five to ten moments of true happiness. And I've talked about this moment. It's the moment you get married, the moment you have your first kid. I mean, I'm sure you've done all those things already. And I'm sure if you compare that to the other things that have happened in your life, they don't even compare. Mm -hmm. And that is happiness. And like I said, it's an emotion. You don't feel that every day after you get married. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, there was this, this overwhelming sense of happiness. And I think what our society needs to do and what we need to start understanding is we should not chase this idea of happiness. We need to chase this idea of peace. Right. And you talk about peace in moments where there's chaos and there's anger and everything. How about peace when there's nothing? Silence. hmm have you ever sat in complete silence for longer than 10 minutes? It'll drive you nuts. I can't. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. But why not? It's because we don't have that inner calmness. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I'm telling you, once you find, I, I believe, if I ever find, I'll let you know. If you can ever find that, you want to talk about being able to find happiness either, easier? You know, I think when we are at peace, those emotions that we want to have, like happiness and joy and love and all of that, are easier to find, but we're constantly in chaos. And when you're in chaos and everything's moving and mixing and swirling, mm-hmm. everything's fleeting. So seek peace, not this idea of happiness that society tells us we need, but seek peace, especially in the Lord, because I don't think there's a better place to find it. Actually, I know there's not a better place to find it. All
1: right. Alright, so here is the uh the next part and this is this is huge. I think this is huge for everybody. It's huge. So it's it's huge. Fifth tidbit. Pray about everything. And this is six and seven. This is something I need to work on, I think. You know, it's I, I pray it in the morning and at night and before I eat. But when I'm having an issue during the day I that's like the last thing on my mind is to like yeah. Hey, take a second and pray. And I, I that's what we're supposed to do. Um, so this passage begins with, um, do not be anxious about anything. Which actually, in King James, it says be anxious for nothing. So it's pretty much, don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. And this is that study that I was talking about last time. And this is what, this is why I was like, Kim, you deleted that podcast? Yeah. I'm like, There was a study in there that you needed to hear. (laughs) Because my wife is the biggest worrier. Like, it's bad. So, I think we all worry. But she takes it to another level.
0: Another level.
1: Another one. Alright, so... um, So, the studies pretty much tells us that worrying is wasted energy. It's wasted emotional energy. Um, So, this is from... A leading American university. I don't know which one. But the research yields the following results. Ready? So, the studies on things that people worry about. And here we go. 40% of the things people worry about never happen. 30% of them concern the past. 12% are needless worries about health. And 10% are about petty issues, which I don't know what that entails but anyway eight percent are legitimate concerns so if you add all that up that means that 92 percent of our worrying is a waste of time and a waste of energy and the the, the funniest thing are the first two which make up most of that 92 percent it makes up 70 percent of it is 40 percent of the things that you worry about never happen and then 30 percent already happened it's in the past yeah and like we like you just said yeah. you know about bitterness it's in the past Yeah. You know the only thing you can do is control how you react to it you know mm-hmm. you can't you can't worry about it um so worrying is pretty much stewing without doing it's like you know it, it, it's pretty much it's, it's it's saying i don't believe that god can take care of me um, in the
0: words of the great Van Wilder, <laughs> worrying is like a rocking chair. Give you something to do, but it'll never get you anywhere.
1: I like it. Tweet that, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like I said, it's kind of like, you know, we're promised by by God that he's going to take care of us. He's going to care for us. So when we worry about these petty issues and things that never happen and all that stuff, it's pretty much a slap in the face to them, I think. Um, so as we enter the end of the year, Christmas time, New Year's, we all are going to have things that worry, you know, to worry about, um, could be health, could be financial issues, kind of all the things we talked about before. Um, but the question for everybody that that, that struggles with worrying, if that study didn't help you to be like, okay, I need to chill out and just ask yourself this question. Do you know what's going to happen next year? No. Do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? No. So can you worry about the future and the course of events? No. So you really can't worry at all because the past is done. The future hasn't happened yet. And you can't let worrying ruin the present. Because it's the only moment that we have and that we're guaranteed. So... Yeah, um, I think it's Matthew five twelve. What are you looking for? No, that's Cast
0: not. Cast all it. your anxieties. No, it's Matthew. It's in the book of Matthew, and oh. Jesus says, "Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough worries of its own." And that was Jesus telling people, like, "Look, you can worry about tomorrow all you want, but if you keep worrying about tomorrow." Today is going to smack you in the face. Then it's going to be in the past. And you're going to be worried about that as well as the day after that. And he says, when you worry, you compound issues.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He says, each day is going to give you enough, enough that you're going to have to handle. So focus on today. Do the best that you can. And tomorrow's going to come. And then you tackle it then. And this is one of the things that I've had to take a big uh, look at myself when it comes to my life right now. You know, There's a lot of things in my life that have changed a lot over the last couple of months, and there's a lot of worry. Um, and I don't, I don't even really call it worry at this point, but there's a lot of things that are up in the air, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, going forward. And the one thing I keep telling myself every morning when I get up at 5 a.m. to hit the gym is you have to do everything that you can today to make tomorrow easier. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be there. But you have to do everything you can today to set yourself up for success tomorrow. And once you start person, I have a sign on my window in my bedroom. It says "Win the day." That's all it says is "Win the day." And once you get in the attitude where you're just winning the day, and you're just trying to do that constantly, when you when you're that focused on the day, you don't have time to worry. You know, like like today, like you, I didn't make a video today. My apologies, but you're like, did you make the video today? I'm like, no. When was I gonna have time to make the video? Because right. I literally went from five a.m. this morning. And I'm still going right now. It's it's 10 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. And that's not me bragging about how hard I work. I'm just saying. I've just been so focused on today. I haven't even thought about tomorrow. We, you haven't even thought about tomorrow yet. We don't know what we're going to do for work. Right. We know we have to go, but we don't know exactly what we're doing. You know, And that's just it. When you get so focused on that day and getting everything done, there's no time to worry about tomorrow.
1: Right. Yeah, and um... – Going back to the point here on point five, it's it's praying about everything, right? Yeah. We should be always be in prayer. So, when we do worry, you know, you can't do both. So, they're almost opposites. You know, it's like water and fire. You can worry, or you can pray, but you can't do them both at the same time. And Paul tells us, um, you know, he gives some advice for worriers. You know, A, pray about everything. Um, when you, and, and, and then the Reading, it says, in everything by prayer. Pray with thanksgiving and pray with expectation. So, pre- present your request to God, is what it says. And when you do all these things and when you take your burdens and your worries to the Lord, He replaces those worries with something much greater. And this is exactly what Justin talked about not happiness, peace. Mm-hmm. And He replaces this with a peace that passes our understanding, you know, because we don't, we can't fathom it. You know, um, verse 7 says that peace will guard your heart. And that is a metaphor, I think, because Paul was in, um, in, imprisoned. And I think that's, that's a metaphor for the soldiers guarding the city gate um, from the inside. So when you pray and you feel that peace, it, it, that peace becomes the guard on your heart. Um, and that's going to be what protects you from those worries. So I think, like I said before, the staying in prayer... Is something that we all need to get better at. I definitely do. Um, I can't speak for everybody, but anybody that worries, I think as soon as you can catch yourself worrying, you can start holding yourself accountable. Then just start praying. Because yeah. like I said, they're opposites. So just replace that.
0: Yeah, and this this idea of peace and prayer takes me back to John sixteen thirty three when he says. I have told these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Mm. And when you pray, you're in direct communication with God. And that's what Jesus is saying. I'm going to give you peace. Yes, you're going to have your worries and the bad things are going to happen. But you're going to have peace through that because of me. Right. And I think that's what prayer gives us. It gives us that direct direct line to peace. And I I guess, you know, now that we're sitting here thinking about it, this is something that, you know, I've had a lot to pray about lately, and so I've spent a significant amount of time in prayer, more than I usually do did in the past. Mm-hmm. Praying, and you know, now that I look at it and realize it, there has been a lot more peace in my life. I think you can probably attest to that. Right? Yeah. You know, it's just. I mean, it just goes back to this whole fact: there isn't a lie in the Bible,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and when Paul says that when you pray you will get a peace that surpasses your understanding that's what you're going to get
1: yeah and i think uh the biggest you know how he just we got the three um piece of advice the last one where he says present your request to god the key there is praying with expectation because i think a lot of times we just think god's not listening Um, We just
0: pray because we're supposed to.
1: Right. And honestly, that's the attitude a lot of people have. So I think that's the biggest thing is you have to realize that God hears all your prayers. All right. And the last point here, this is uh, verses 8 and 9 if you're still following on the reading. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So calls pretty much to telling us think holy thoughts yep um, and this is another uh, study here so the average person has about 10,000 thoughts a day I think I've got way more than that my, my mind's always racing.
0: I might be like the ADHD right. then because I'm right bouncing.
1: so you know might not be the average person here but the average person has 10,000 thoughts a day so that works out to three and a half million thoughts a year. And if you were to live to be 75, you have 26 million thoughts over your lifetime. And whoever's listening to this, you guys have probably had thousands of thoughts going through this podcast already. Your mind's wandering. Get back on track with us. Give me a second. No. Um, so the principle is behind this is kind of reverting back to What he said earlier and what we talked about last week is that temptation and you know Paul has the respect um, and he has enough respect for the power of the devil like we talked about so he knows this and he says that sin is always in our mind and it begins in the mind but so does holiness Mm -hmm. so when Paul says think about such things he's saying this in the present tense keep on thinking about holy things you know find what is true find what is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely think about it um, you know I think that a lot of times if I'm struggling on making a decision like you know we've always we always to say you know everybody has vices you know it, it it's the world we live in we're gonna have temptations but ever since i had um, you know obviously when I got married it's that's one thing that I can focus on you know that's lovely that's pure yeah. that's admirable because it's a marriage built on you know through Christ but you know when I had grace when I had my daughter, you know she's not even two years old yet, but she holds me accountable yeah. she holds me to a higher standard than I ever thought I would hold myself to and uh, that's just part of the way I look at this you know that's that's my that's me thinking holy thoughts. You know, I can focus on her because she's sinless. She's pure. You know what I mean? That's a baby. That's a miracle. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, and going off this idea of what you think about and going into this new year, I think for me, the majority of my thoughts are about something coming up, the future, what I'd like to do, where I'd like to be. I mean, when we're working and we're out there, I think that's why we have more thoughts because our our jobs allow us to do a lot of thinking. Right. You know, we're running leaf blowers all day. We can't necessarily talk to one another, so we spend a lot of time in our own heads mm-hmm. thinking about stuff. And a lot of the time I'm thinking about either later on in that day or later on in that week, later on in the month, and then overall my life in general going forward. And I think this is such an important principle to use when you're looking at the future. You are... What you think, like we said at the beginning, you are what you think you are. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you're thinking pure, lovely goodness and everything for your future, that's what you're going to create. You literally think things into being in this life. There's like, there's been like, it's the law of attraction is what they call it. And I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. What you think is what you're going to get. Okay, so when you're thinking about this And just putting this perspective for this new year When you're going forward Use this principle that Paul's talking about When you're thinking about your future Because sometimes I look at my future And if I'm in a bad mood It looks pretty pretty grim
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm thinking, oh, that's ugly But when I'm in a good mood And when my heart's focused on the Lord When I'm standing firm When I'm doing all these things that we've talked about tonight Man, does my future look bright And I can't tell you how important it is to just have that good positive thought process towards your future Mm -hmm. you know it you just you have to do it you have to do it
1: yeah so verse 8 tells us to do that it tells us to think holy thoughts and then in verse 9 you know it says do this and the god of peace will be with you so wrapping it up here you guys everybody we all have the power and it's in our minds it's in our mindsets it's in our attitudes conviction Um, if you're a Christian you've got this power within you you know we're speaking of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. Um, all that is perfect all that is holy if you link yourself with him you're joined with the highest moral power in the universe Um, so those are the six uh Words of advice or, you know, all the the Christian attitude that's how your Christian attitude should look. So we'll kind of just run through them. It's sta- it was stand firm, settle your differences, rejoice in the Lord always, ask God for a gentle spirit, pray about everything, think holy thoughts. Yeah. Follow those six things, and I promise you, 2017 will be better than 2016.
0: Yeah, good luck. Uh, good luck to uh, 2017, guys. It's going to be a good one. Think Merry holy Christmas. thoughts. Be positive. Have a good Christmas. A new good new year. Probably
1: talk to him before that, but we're just gonna keep saying it every week. Obsessed. I can't sing your song. I can't put your song on I mean. here.
0: <laughs> greens, greens, tomatoes, tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> May we all
1: get to grow up in a red, white, and blue little, little, little town. town. Sing it, buddy. So, he's in the back. He's classy. you can't to that. does <laughs> much. <laughs> okay, so get it. And it's a seller. Yeah. Wrote a book.